0: 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us out in called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish strength and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want to talk this morning on the little things. The little things. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for bringing us together this morning. God, you have a perfect plan, Lord. You do everything with purpose and with intention. God, it is your plan for us to come together this morning. God, you've laid this passage on my heart this morning. You've laid these thoughts and these words on my heart this morning. And God, I ask that you help me to convey your thoughts and your word to this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's little things in life that throw us off. It's not the big things. It's things that we don't even notice sometimes. Brother Atwood was talking this morning about the way he accidentally poisoned himself this week with a chemical I'm not even familiar with. But he didn't, he didn't just take some poison and just start chugging it. He did, and if it. In fact, if it had said on the front of the label, this product is poisonous, he probably wouldn't have used it. Or he would, have, he would have thought about it a little differently. Maybe he would have done a little bit of research. But it was benign, it was hidden, it was tucked away within that product that he completely missed what was going on. I've heard it said that rat poison. If you look at the box, it says it's 99% natural, or it's or it's 0.01% poison. I think is actually what it says. But if it's 0.01% poison, that means it's 99.9%, 99%, 99.99% safe food for that rat to consume. We look at things or we determine, I'm not going to let that into my life, or I know that's destructive. But sometimes it's the little things that get a hold of us or, or impact us. And it, and it just derails it a little bit. You think about a train driving down the tracks, that train might see a cow on the tracks miles ahead or, or probably not a mile ahead and would stop. But sometimes there's a little bit of debris on the track that they don't see, and it derails the train. Looking back, though, at this passage in 1 Peter 5 8 through 11, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, which being sober, be vigilant is is stay focused, be watchful, be aware, and be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil's merciless. There's no no kindness. There's no grace with the devil. A roaring lion is not not a playful lion. It's a very vivid picture of this lion just, just roaring, looking for something to devour. And then the scripture goes on to tell us, whom, meaning the devil, resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Afflictions are accomplished. That that accomplished really just means more of um, experienced. They're brought up on. And so the troubles that you find in the world, you also find with your brothers and sisters in the church. But of the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, maketh you perfect, establisheth, strengtheneth, and settleth you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. The devil wants to destroy us, and his methodology is through the little things. There's a, there's a passage. And the entire context around it, I, I, I don't want to say you're taking the scripture out of context when they say the little foxes spoil the vines, because that, that is scripture. But that's not what that scripture really is referring to. That scripture is referring to, it's the scripture is talking about something else, but it's calling out, the, it's making the point that that the little, but it's, he's referencing a bigger known fact. So that passage in scripture is referring to something completely different. But the hist- history behind it, the historical fact of that, is that, the, is that the foxes would spoil the vines by eating all the little grapes off of the vines. But people use that scripture incorrectly. And those little things can throw us off. When you're, when you're on a trajectory and you're walking, and you and you get off by one degree, you miss your destination by being just a little bit off. And you think about a magic trick. Who's ever, who's ever seen someone who calls himself a magician or an illusionist? I used to, I used, to, I still do a lot of card tricks. Um, I used to do a lot of this stuff because I think it's cool. But but the the first thing that they teach you when you're doing an illusion is misdirection. You misdirect their attention, you put the attention over here, (coughs) you create some confusion, and then you pull a trick. Because they're not watching where they're going. They're not watching where you're going. You're leading them down a path that looks true, but at the end, you pull something out because it was a facade, because it was fake. The devil works in the same way. He starts by distracting us. Distracting us and pulling our attention off of the truth, off of the reality, off of the things that we should be focused on. He distracts us from prayer, distracts us from Bible reading. I'll do it later. I stayed up late last night. I don't have time to pray this morning. I've been dealing with that the past 2 weeks. It's late nights and I just I get up in the morning to pray and I'm like, I don't have time for this. So I hit that snooze button. <laughs> but I recognize what's happening. But but when we get when we when we stop learning about God and we stop staying focused on the truth the fake and the confusion start seeping in. Our memory of things starts to get a little distorted sometimes. Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist, tells the story that he got called on for jury duty. And part of jury duty is they, they pull up all of the potential jurors and there's a process called voir dire where the attorneys ask questions and basically they they just they're just looking for bias looking for any kind of conflict that might cause you to not offer a fair verdict in this trial as a potential juror and then they and then they remove some of those jurors well in that process the judge also addressed these potential jurors and the judge asked the question or was explaining the case And Neil deGrasse Tyson asked the judge a question and he said, are any of the facts of this case going to be anything other than an eyewitness? And the judge responded, "Um, no it's not, and then asked the rest of the jurors the question, does anyone else have a concern about this case only having one witness? Which wasn't what he had asked. And in, in Neil deGrasse Tyson was telling this story to illustrate. He said, it took everything within me not to respond to that judge. You were an eyewitness to what I just asked and got the facts wrong 30 seconds later. Relying just on memory or just on your eyewitness account or the way you remember something is a flawed process. Amen. We sometimes get details mixed up in our head. Much of much of our individual, quote-unquote, reality, if reality were subjective, is affected by the way that we perceive things. <clears throat> and so we have to stay connected to the word, which is the established truth. I saw this graphic on Facebook recently. If I can get it to come up here, I will. It says, grace did not save Noah, obedience did. In the comments on it, one of the very top comments said, I appreciate you, in reference to the guy who posted it, said, I appreciate you, but I have to disagree. They said, because we're saved by grace that no man can boast and brag about his salvation. And there's some truth to that. That's, that's scripture that we are saved by grace, not by our works. But it's also in Scripture, in Genesis 6 it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is unmerited favor. Noah didn't earn that favor from God for him to pick him out and say, I'm going to save you and your family. And there's nothing that I can do that God would pick me out and say, you are worthy of eternal life. There's nothing any of us can do that makes us worthy of God's grace. His grace is unmerited, meaning unearned. It's not a merit that you earn. His grace, or grace is unmerited favor. Eternal life is offered to everybody, unmerited. There's nothing we can do that makes us have His favor in our life. And when you grab just the scripture that says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, it could give an appearance that Noah was saved solely on grace. And when you look at the scripture that says, We're saved by grace, not by works, it can give that appearance that the only way that we're ever saved, there's nothing that we can do on our part to receive that salvation. But when you go to Hebrews eleven seven, 7, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he commanded the world and became heir of the righteous righteousness, which is by faith. We are saved by grace, through faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God. What did God warn Noah of? An upcoming flood. God's grace to Noah was, hey, there's a flood coming, there's a worldwide disaster coming, and you better get ready for it. By God's grace, as Noah moved, God protected that boat so it didn't get flipped upside down. And when you read this passage, I... I saw such a, um, such a broader sense to it. It says, by faith, Noah. And if I can take some liberty with this scripture, it's by faith, James, or by faith, Corey, or Terry. Being warned of God of things not yet seen. So by faith, we've been warned of God of things that we've not yet seen. Moved with fear. There's something coming that we got to be afraid of, church. Hell, destruction is real prepared an ark for the saving of his house. We have to prepare for the saving of our home and our house. Not the physical house, but in the literal sense. Because this house it's talking about wasn't his temporary home. It was the the people around him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark or a convoy, a methodology of the saving of his house by the which by the which he condemned, meaning just forsake the world, not condemned as in he was condemning the world, but, but he was forsaking the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. We can apply that scripture to our own lives and by faith we've been warned of God of things not yet seen. We can move with fear and make changes. We are saved by grace, but it is by God's grace that we're saved, but it's us taking some steps in faith to separate ourselves out into holiness, to live a righteous life. That is a duty that is placed upon us. We can't rely on our memory. We can't rely just on our eyewitness account. or, or we ha- I, mean, I guess we have to rely on your eyewitness account of, of you studying but we can't just rely on our memory. We've got to stay in the book, church, because it's easy to get distracted, to misremember scripture. As, as I was preparing this, and I, wanted, and I and I thought of that scripture, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And I went and looked it up just to make sure I wasn't going to pull it out of context. And I'm not even sure what he's talking about in, the, in that scripture is being used in the Bible. But I, I know that he's referencing, like the little fox spoil the vines, But that's not what that scripture means. And you can pull stuff out of context if you don't remember the whole context. And I haven't memorized the whole Bible yet. It is, I don't even say it's a goal because there's a lot in there. Something else that got my attention when I was pulling this together though is the book of Luke. Luke, the book of Luke, was, was commissioned to go find out what was going on with the Christians. Luke did not see Jesus firsthand. The book of Luke is a bunch of eyewitness accounts. And I'm not contradicting myself here. But the, because the book of Luke being based on eyewitness accounts, Luke just went and started talking to people. There was, there was a man by the name of Theophilus that was intrigued by what the Christians were doing and wanted to know more about it. So he commissions Luke to go talk to the Christians. So Luke, who's a physician, he was a doctor, he tours around talking to people and tell me what you remember about Jesus. He's doing a research project. Tell me what you remember about Jesus. And we know, because we've also had experiences in life, where we remember a situation different than somebody else remembers a situation. But the entire book of Luke Is still in harmony with the entire Bible. That to me is another witness, another testimony of God protecting his word. There's another another merit, I guess, to the credit of the Bible. That was a side note. But getting into Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, these are this is when Jesus meets the devil. Luke 4, starting in verse 1, says, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, So he's super hungry, and the devil says, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made Bread. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And we see that he's countering this temptation with scripture. His response to temptation was scripture. The devil said, make yourself food and eat right now. And God's response was, there's things more important than our earthly needs. And that is our relationship to God. That is a it's more important to have a relationship with God than it is to have uh, our food. It's more important to understand who God is. There's things more important in life than food. And continuing continue to verse five. It says, The devil taken up into a high mountain showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. That's just a straight up bold-faced lie from the devil. That he says he's got all the power of the world. And then offers riches, fame, and power to Jesus. The devil is offering to Jesus riches, fame, and power. So first, he tempted Jesus with gratification. This is what you want. You haven't eaten for a while. You want to eat. First thing he tempted Jesus with was was self-centeredness, was serving self. The second thing he tempts Jesus with is riches, fame, and power. The third thing, oh, Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The devil said, you can have riches, fame, and power. But Jesus said, I'm not going to do this to serve myself. I'm doing going to do this. I'm going to serve God. Verse 9, And he brought him into Jerusalem. The devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, Cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. This is a scripture pulled out of context. I looked this scripture up. It comes from the book of Psalms. This scripture was in reference to uh, Moses, when he was fighting the, I don't remember who he was fighting, but it was it was prophesied that, that God is going to take care of them and, pro, and provide for them and give them victory in this war. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge of thee to keep thee, and if their hands shall bear thee up, any time I shall dash thy foot against a stone. So it was a prophecy, or it wasn't a prophecy, it was in the book of Psalms. That if, the, if Moses is going to war, that it doesn't matter what that enemy does, God's going to be with them, God's going to protect them, and if something happens, um, God's going to take care of them. But the devil pulls the scripture out from being a scripture of, of defensive protection to offensive protection and said, Why don't you take a jump? Why don't you take a leap of faith? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. The devil tempted Jesus with three things. He tempted him with self-centeredness, serving self. This is what I want. He tempted him with riches, fame, and power. And and I guess riches being even, even money, which is a tempter to people. If you have more money, power can corrupt people. And then he tempted him with perverted scriptures. And so the three areas that we see here, and I know I've drawn this stuff out before, but it's it's just a good reminder to watch these three areas is self-centeredness or gratification, self-gratification, the I wants, the I likes, the I needs. Self-centeredness, selfish pursuits, and then, and then, perverted truth, polluted truth. And, and Jesus responds with full truth. We have to stay in the Word. We have to keep our relationship with God. We have to stay focused on our relationship with God. John fourteen six through nine. And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is truth. When you pursue a close relationship with Jesus, it brings you to truth. Let's all stand. When you pursue Jesus, it brings you to truth. And when you pursue truth, it brings you to Jesus. If ye had known me, you would have known my father also, and from henceforth you know him that have seen me. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father, and it sufficeth us. So Jesus says, if you know my father, if you know my father also, from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And Philip says, okay, show us your father. And Jesus said unto them, Have I been so long with you, and you hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest then thou, Show us the Father. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And we have to keep pursuing him. He has to be at the center of our life and everything we do to stay focused on him because the devil as our adversary and as a roaring lion is walking around seeking whom he may devour using every little trick in the book. It's easy for us to avoid those big things. There's a lot of things that we can say off the top of our head, oh, I don't touch that, I don't do that, I don't go there, I don't do this, I don't do that. There's things that we recognize in our own life that we're not gonna touch and we're not gonna do. But the devil's game is a little bit of distraction a little bit of confusion, and a whole lot of destruction. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, guard each and every one of us, Lord. Help us to be who we need to be, where we need to be, Lord Jesus. God, I ask that you guide my steps, Lord. Guide my thoughts, Lord. Let them always be in pursuit of you. God, help me to develop a deeper love for your word. Help me to develop a deeper desire for the things of you. Help me to stay focused on who you are and what you have. Help me to be be sober-minded and vigilant, watching for the sneaky tricks of the devil. In Jesus' name. Showing me the books before. Yeah. How, how you're doing that? You yeah. think you could do that? You think you could do that again? Yeah. Okay. Um. When would be a good When would be a good time? I mean, if I had, you know, if I had to come over to where you are, or, you know, I'd be willing to do that, or, um, or. Hey, uh, um. You plan on being in church tonight? Well, oh, hmm. at, uh... At ABI. Yeah, I could, I could, I could come there. Um. Or if you want to do it a different night, that's, you know. I mean, I got my taxes, I've got my taxes still to finish, I've got my taxes still to finish up, too, so. You know, I got, you know. So I was just trying to think it would be better to do it before service or after service tonight. Let's see. Let's do it after service tonight. Okay. Let's do that. All right. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Yep. All right. Did I just it's like I've never had it before, so. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be good because I haven't I haven't sat down for like six weeks and gone through the books. It's, oh. It's bad. Oh. But. Okay. All okay. right. Sounds good. <coughs> just so you know yeah pastor is preeminence in all business of the church right it's fine you're doing fine okay well I mean you should know this stuff yeah I heard I heard brother Corey tell you no 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 you need to look up your job no 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 I want you know I mean he's no he's definitely he's right he's right about that he's right about that he's right you are fulfilling the duties I want you to be confident that you are fulfilling the duties of your job yeah okay um okay. I I have been paying the bills because I want to I want to stay aware of everything that's going on yeah um, I've been accept- receiving the deposit because I want to stay aware of what's going on um, it may be time to transition and I've we can talk about it tonight you can start doing the deposit yeah um, and I have a little form that I created to track. uh, To track our deposit each week and track attendance, also. Yeah. Um, So I'll go over that with you tonight as well. All right. Okay, sounds good.